good one is. Yeah, that's enthusiastic prayer, right? I mean, that's an enthusiastic prayer. Somebody who's uninhibited, somebody who just wants to shout it out. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And the idea is, well, how's your prayer life? Are you that uninhibited? Are you that enthusiastic? Do you spend time with God? Are you, are you ready to speak with Him and just to tell Him whatever's on your heart? even if it's silly and just fun. You see, when we look at relationships, at the core of any good relationship is the idea of communication. And if we don't communicate regularly with God, I've got to ask you how your relationship could grow. How could it be healthy? How could it be joyful? And we know this from our own human experiences because, well, when when there's dysfunction in a relationship, if there are issues in a relationship, if we, can, if we can speak and be heard, and if we can be quiet and listen, that relationship has a chance to get better. And it doesn't make any difference if it's, a, if it's just an emotional friend or, or maybe a, or an erratic boss or an incredible spouse. Wherever that relationship is, whatever kind of relationship it is, if, if people can hear each other, there's hope. The relationship can grow. There can be joy. There can be health. They could get better. And, and it, so it makes so much sense, doesn't it, for us as people who follow Jesus, that if we want our relationship with God to grow, we've got to think about how are we communicating with him. And that's what we're going to do over the next six weeks. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to break it down into bite-sized chunks and it's our prayer that we would learn more how to communicate. We would grow in our capacity for communication with God. You know, the, uh, the disciples, they watched Jesus pray. Can you imagine doing that, watching Jesus pray? He had, you know, this connection with the Father. And they were watching, they, they, he, when he finished, they were watching him pray. One of his followers said to him, he said, Lord, teach us to pray as John has taught his followers, John the Baptist is who he's talking about. And, and what that, that, you know, in those days, what a rabbi would do, what all the teachers of the day would do, they would give their disciples a signature prayer, a prayer that would mark them as a follower. And the disciples were saying, we've seen this powerful connection you have with the Father. Would you teach us the Jesus prayer? So that's what we're going to be looking at, the Jesus prayer the one that marks us as a follower of God. And what can we learn from that? And it's not necessarily saying the exact words every time because that can become rote. It's the concepts that are behind it that are so powerful. Although reciting the Lord's Prayer, if you've ever been in a moment and you didn't know what to pray, it's a wonderful prayer just as it's written. And it's so simple. It can be memorized by, by even a, a, a child. And it's on the lips of poor people and rich people alike. No matter what the nationality or background, the whole world knows about this prayer because of its great meaning. So we're going to spend some time studying it. And our goal is pretty simple. 
just to grow over the next six weeks, to grow in our capacity to communicate with God. Does that sound good to you? Do you want to know God more? Do you want to have a better relationship with him? Amen. And so here's the thing, though, and this is important. This is an important distinction. I can teach, we can teach about something here. We can talk about it. But how are you going to learn how to pray? It's like swimming. I can't teach you swimming, or an instructor can't teach you swimming in a classroom. You've got to actually get in the pool. You've got to jump in and start doing it. And so let me ask you, if you were going to rate your prayer life right now on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, where would you be? You don't have to answer out loud. Just think about it. And over the next six weeks, my challenge to you is, you know, you don't have to become a 10. If, you, if, you, if you're just struggling in prayer, and sometimes I struggle in prayer. It's part of the human experience to struggle in prayer. It's hard to have a good prayer life. But if you gave yourself a low number, say, okay, I'm going to move to a, from a 2 maybe to a, I don't know, 3.25. All right? It's a good number, right? <laughs> 3.25. If, if you're a 5, move to a 6. Take a step. And if you're a 9 or a 10, you need to pray for all of us and encourage us, okay? <laughs> Don't show off, though, all right? Because uh, no. But the idea is that we could take steps. And my prayer for all of us is that we would take steps, that we would get better and grow in our communication with God, our Father. So as we begin, would you pray with me? Father, we do. Thank you for being a good, good father that we can learn to trust, a father who is close, who's, who, who's right here for us, a father who knows what we need, a father who deserves our praise, our respect, our honor, a father who created us and gave us life, physical life and spiritual life forever. We thank you that, that we can be in relationship with you, and we pray that you would help us learn how to communicate better with you, that that relationship would be filled with joy and health and growth. Father, do that work in us. Challenge us over these next six weeks, and we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, you know, when I'm talking to people a lot, they, they will ask me, why should I pray? I mean, what's the purpose of prayer? You, say, you know, I'm kind of in on the Christian thing. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'll, 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 I'll maybe even read my Bible occasionally, but when it comes to prayer, they're a little hesitant. You ever been there? It's like you don't know how to do it or you don't know why you should do it. Why should we pray? Especially when Scripture says it very clearly that, well, the Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Now, a lot of people see prayer, the subject of prayer, the, uh, the practice of prayer as being requesting something from God. That's the way they look at prayer. But of course, we know that it's more than that. And, and, the, and the challenge for us is notice what Scripture, when Jesus taught about prayer, what he said. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask it, not what you want. That's not, there's a difference. See, we want a lot of things. We go to God in prayer, and, and you can express everything you want in prayer. But our father knows what we need. So it might shock you to hear that prayer is not about getting what you want from God. It's not a, a God that's going to just bless you with whatever you request. Because he's a good father, he knows what we need. And prayer is the process, the part of the process where he begins to sort that out with us. Where we're honest with him and we say, wait a minute, I want this God. And he's saying, no, that's part of prayer. 
And, and it's helpful because it ultimately allows us to trust him as a good father. That his answers to our prayers help us learn to trust him. But we've got to be in dialogue with him. We've got to be praying to him. This is what prayer is about. And so when we talk about prayer, there are several reasons why we should go ahead and pray. And the first one is simply this. We need to understand the difference between our needs, our needs, and our wants. And then God says, bring them to me, reason number one, because God said so. Now, I hate to be the one that, that, that plays the because he said so, God said so card this morning. But, you know, did, did your parents ever do that with you, you know, like about broccoli or something like that, you know? Say, Why should I eat that? Well, because I said so, right? Now, what was your parent doing? What were your parents doing when they said that? They were simply doing what was best for you. And this is what God is doing to us. And, and if, you're, if you're now a parent, if your parents did that, I'll bet you there's been a time I know in my life there has where I have said to my kids, why, when they've asked why, I've said, because I said so. Because I'm the parent and I know what's best for you. And God the Father is saying, I'm the parent. I know what's best for you. You need to talk to me. You need to be in a relationship with me. Jesus, when he taught about prayer, prayer, he said, and when you pray. He didn't say, and if you pray. He said, when you pray. Very important. There's an expectation. If you're going to be in a relationship, if we're going to follow God, we need to talk to him. We need to be in a relationship, and relationship requires communication. The psalmist writes it this way. He says, let everyone who is godly offer prayer. You see, are you godly because you offer prayer, or do you pray because you're godly? In other words, prayer is a part of the process of becoming more like Jesus as he shapes us and our thinking and our trust of what he's telling us is best for our lives. And that's always a tension, isn't it? It's been a tension since the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve wanting to do their own thing, and we do too. We want to do our own thing, but God says, I know what's best for you. And the best thing is that you talk to me about your wants and let me help shape your understanding of your needs. Reason number two, God blesses prayer. He blesses prayer. You know, I've, uh, I've talked to a lot of people about their prayer lives, and I've never found any person who started praying where their life just went down the tubes after they started praying. Never found that to be. It's like, uh, you know, like, whatever happened to Bob? He was so involved in prayer. Oh, I got hooked on prayer, man. Really messed him up. It doesn't happen that way. It's blessings. It's blessings that God gives in prayer. Peace is a blessing given in prayer. Guidance, encouragement, reassurance, trust, forgiveness, both to you and to other people. All of those things can come through prayers. That's the kind of things that get dealt with and the blessings of prayer. I love this verse from Philippians. It says this. It says, you probably know this verse. It says, do not be anxious about it, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So it's okay. You just let all your requests be known to God. And then notice what you get back. What happens? Does he answer all those prayers? No. One of the blessings, the most important blessings is that he gives us peace. He promises the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So there's blessings in prayer. There, God says to pray, and there are blessings in prayer. But the final reason that we would really want to pray is simply because Jesus prayed a lot. He was a man of prayer. He didn't attempt anything without prayer. Before he went out to do ministry and teaching and healing, he would pray. Okay, he'd sneak away in the morning early to go out and pray before a big day of ministry. He prayed when he was baptized. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was facing his death on a cross. And he prayed on the cross to his father and said, forgive them. You see, Jesus was a man of prayer. And you might think, well, wait a minute. Didn't he have his, wasn't his heart fully aligned with God? I mean, did he really need to have those discussions? Remember, Jesus was fully human and fully God. We learned a couple of weeks ago from Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 15, that we don't have a high priest who is Jesus, who is unsympathetic to our needs, that he's been tempted in every way that we have been tempted. And so that means, and if you look at his garden prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see it. He's wrestling with, really, God, this is what, this is what you want me to do? And God says, I'm going to give you what you need to do it. The Father responds. Jesus carries out his mission. So if Jesus prays, we want to be more like Jesus, we should what? We too should pray. So today we just want to break down the very first part of the Lord's Prayer. The very first eight words, 10 if you're using the King James Version, all right? The first eight words from the ESV of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, I know those are so familiar words, and you probably say it, you know, our Father in heaven, our, our, I mean, our Father who art in heaven, that's probably the way we say it, right? Because that's the way it's printed. It's the way we do it here a lot. But we probably say those words, we say them so quickly, without even thinking. It's almost like a rote response, right? Oh, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Don't even think about them. So we want to break this down and we want to look at three important words in this portion of the Lord's Prayer. Three important words. And I want you just to, to, to meditate on these three words this week, to think about what they mean. So this prayer will never be the same. When you say it again, it'll never be the same because you've thought deeply about each one of these words. And the first word is Father. You think about why did Jesus use the word Father? He could have used uh, Creator, Almighty, a boss, big boss in the sky, uh, El Jefe. I mean, he could have used any words, but he chose Father. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he include the word Father? And he didn't, he didn't say, my Father. He said what? Our Father. And the reason why is that simply the idea of a Lone Ranger Christian, an unconnected Outside the family Christian, it's just not in Jesus' thinking. He's our Father because he unites us as a family, as a church, to do his will, carry out his purpose. The word Father is so powerful. You think about why Jesus actually used it. It's to show us of his, the Father's great love and grace, his acceptance of us. I want you to think about this for a minute. The idea of Father in the Bible. Now, Noah or Abraham, or Moses, or David, or any of the kings, or any of the prophets, none of them could ever address 
ever addressed God as Father. Until this moment, until this moment, it was something else. Jesus comes along and says, look, you can call God Father. You can call him exactly what I call him, and that's Dad. You can call him Dad, just like me. Because you have a relationship with me, you can call God the Father. You can call him Dad. He's, he's, he's that close to you. He's that loving. He's that caring. He's that concerned about you. He wants that relationship with you. And think about the people that were listening to him. People, Jesus were in Jesus's hearing Jesus's voice were prostitutes trying to to leave their business, tax collectors, and Roman centurions, and 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 uh, people who've been marginalized. All these people who have been thinking, really, I can say to God, the Creator and Sustainer of the universe, I can call Him Dad. That's amazing. That's an awesome, wonderful thing that we have that kind of relationship, and yet sometimes we just blow through that, oh yeah, our Father, no problem. You know, there's, there's only two people in the world that can call me Dad. I know, that picture was a really long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's only two people in the world that could call me Dad. But when I would hear, when I hear my children say that word, dad, instantly they have my attention. Instantly I am concerned with what comes next. There's no way I would ever ignore that call. In fact, I even knew earlier when they were very young, I knew the inflection on the word so I could understand just how serious the circumstance is. Maybe you have know what I'm talking about. Like when you heard, Daddy, you knew you needed to pay attention quick. As they grew up, and they're all growing up now, there they are now, but as they were growing up and teenagers, you know, I'd tease them and they'd go, Dad, you know that dad too, right? Here's the point. God wants to hear your voice crying out to dad. And instantly, he will hear you. Instantly, he will respond. He, he is there waiting to hear that voice. He knows the voice of his children. Now, I know that, uh, you know, if you get a mug like this, you must be a pretty good dad, right? This is what the world's greatest dad looks like. Now, you may be thinking about your dad at this moment. And here's the thing about human dads. We are imperfect. We are imperfect. We're not going to be like God the Father. In fact, you may be thinking about a dad who left when you were little or was abusive or you could just never live up to his standards. You could never please him or maybe he was uninvolved or an alcoholic, whatever it might be, an imperfect dad. And that may get in the way of the picture that we're trying to, to, to focus on today of God the Father. But see, what Jesus is saying, you have a perfect dad in heaven. God is your perfect dad. And he says that no matter what is going on in your life, he pulls the, by using the father word, he pulls out every, uh, the rug out from under the excuses that we say, you know, I can't be in a relationship with God. I mean, no matter how messed up our life is, 
Dad is still concerned he wants to hear. We can boldly approach in confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, crawl right up on Dad's lap in our time of need and experience the gift of his love and grace. It doesn't make any difference what we've done. It doesn't make any difference how many times we've messed up. Dad, our Heavenly Father, is always ready and wants to hear our voice and respond to it. And sometimes we don't even know how to pray. You know, we may sound like a three-year-old when we pray. It doesn't make any difference. We can boldly be with our dad who says, I love you. I forgive you. I want a relationship with you. Can we develop that? Can we talk about it? This next word reminds us of his presence. You know, we think, I don't know, you think of heaven, like where is heaven, right? We often think of it, I mean, do you think of it like it's being close or far away? It's like, it seems like heaven, like that's way out there someplace, right? Well, heaven isn't really, it isn't really like a destination, according to the Hebrew thought, the Jewish thought. You know, so I thought it might be kind of fun. So in Lyle, like if I Google heaven, what would I actually find close by, right? And so I, I did that, and, and I found heaven and hell boot camp right there. <laughs> Anybody want to go? I don't know. Is it, is that, would that be a good thing? Is that is like it's, a, it's, it's, well, never mind. It would be a challenge. I understand it's quite a workout, though. But look, if I go a little bit further, it's Heaven's Beauty, Hair, and Day Spa. All right, so which one would you rather go to? That's the question. But we think of it as a destination. Like Heaven is some kind of destination. It's not a destination, according to Hebrew thought. Heaven is above, but all around. And so when God the Father is spoken of as being in heaven, he is close, not far away. He's, he's right here. He's right here with us. And there's no problem accessing him. It's, it's not like you have to go to a certain spot, you know, like a certain church building or something in order to connect with him. Some people believe that. <coughs> My mother and father-in-law's house has aluminum siding. And when you go there with your cell phone, you know, you're walking around like this trying to find the signal because you can't get it. This is not God. He's right here. He's ready to speak with you. There's no signal loss. You don't have to go to a special person. You know, oh, they have a direct line with God. Have you ever heard that? I want you to pray for me because I know you have a direct line. No, he's here for every one of us. And I want you to think about it. I mean, the disciples at that point, they learned this prayer. God was close to them. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I'll be with you always. But then Jesus says, I'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll live inside you. So just think, instead of maybe praying this way, maybe we ought to just bow our heads and know that the Spirit lives in us. So there's no signal loss. There's no problem talking to God. He's there. He's present. He's not disinterested. He's concerned. He wants this time with you. This verse from the Psalms 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And the truth is that he's God, and we understand he's Father. And we can call to him, and we can communicate with him. He's interested in our lives anytime we want. And yet, oftentimes, we don't pray. We don't pray when we're happy. We don't pray when we're angry or in a difficult situation. We don't pray when it's decision time. 
We don't pray when it's uh, a family time together, a celebration. We don't pray. Because we think, oh, well, it doesn't really make any difference. But God, our Father, is saying, I want to hear the voice of my children. Let's look at the, the, the last word, hallowed. It's not a word we use much. You're like, what does that mean, hallowed? What's it mean? Like a hallowed ground is maybe a holy ground. You t- that's what you think of when you hear the word. What does it mean to hallow somebody? Hallowed be your name. What, what, how does that work? Well, the word hallowed simply means to give someone the honor they deserve. So how do we give God the honor that he deserves? How, how do we actually fulfill that petition and that prayer, that statement? It's an interesting question. To hallow God, to give him the respect that he deserves. Look, look what the psalmist says. This is, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name above all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. In other words, he's not only in heaven, he's above heaven. He's in control of all things. And yet in our world today, do we hallow the name of God? How do we use it? I mean, how do we speak about God? How do we think about God? And often, too often today, you, you get people that are just bringing, trying to bring God down to their level. And you see signs like this, like, God hates bacon. You know, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> well, maybe I can find it in the Old Testament. But you see, you see people using God's name to underscore their politics and to accentuate their anger. And the Father's saying, no, don't do that to my name. What's a second commandment? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Hallow that name. Hallow that name. That means respect and honor that name. I think we've lost even the sense of, of respecting and honoring anybody in our culture. But probably the closest we get to it is with like famous people, right? So who would, who would have to come through this door right now for you to hallow? Who would you be in awe of? Who would you want to talk to? Would it be an entertainer, a sports figure? Would it be Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela? I mean, who would you hallow? I mean, that sense, have you ever had that moment? Have you ever been in the presence of a celebrity where you go, wow, I'd really like to talk to that person? My family and I, we were on vacation in uh, Mexico, and we were at this outside diner, and we were in line, and I'm just chatting with my family, and all of a sudden I hear this voice. I'm going, oh, that's somebody famous. Like, we're, there's somebody famous here. Where are they? And I'm looking around the restaurant. I'm like, where are they? Where are they? And sure enough, I, we, I was like crazy with my family. I said, settle down, you know, settle down. It'll be okay, Dad. But you know who it was? Really famous person. Well, at least to me it was. It was Esteban. He's on the Home Shopping Channel. He sells guitars. <laughs> <laughs> But he is a really good guitar player. But I knew his voice because I watched so many of his commercials, you know? And he's a really good guitar player. And I was like going on and on and on with my family about how awesome it was to be in this restaurant in Mexico. Who would have thought we'd ever see Esteban? And finally, my, my daughter, who was about 16 or 17 at the time, she says, Dad, come over here. We're going to get a picture with him. And I said, oh, no, if she won, here it is. There I am with Esteban, all right? <laughs> what does it take for you to hallow God's name, to respect it. I mean, when you think about it, that you would get excited. When you think about it, you'd go, wow, what a great dad I have. What an awesome God I have. 
What a wonderful thing. I, I just want to tell people about it. I want to I talk to him. I want to be near him because you are. I mean, just what would it take in your spiritual life to have that kind of reaction of anticipation and excitement to be in a relationship with God? You know what? It's going to take some communication. It's going to take some practice. So I want to challenge you this week to practice just these first few words, these first eight words of the Lord's Prayer. And wherever you are, okay, wherever you are, whether you're commuting, if you go into Starbucks, I'm going to suggest a different coffee shop right here, this one right here. <laughs> Did I tell you guys we have a coffee shop? Did I mention that? Yeah. Okay, so because that's a great place to get coffee, whether you're commuting or with your family or at work or in line, if you think for a moment, just in, in the moment, try to remember who God is and hallow his name. You say, God, you are just amazing. Say, our Father. And know that he's there and he's listening to your voice. He's saying, my child. You say, our Father. He's saying, my child. In heaven, you're here, Father. Thank you. Yes, I'm here, child. Hallowed be your name. I want to honor you with all that I do. Just that first part of the phrase. Would you commit to do that once or twice a day this week? Take just a minute and hallow God as your Father. Honor him as your Father. Respect him for who he is. You know what happens is in that moment when you connect with God like that, I've been doing this all week and it's changed several moments that I've had just to trying to figure out how I could do it and if I could really pull it off. But all of a sudden now, then I look at other people differently. I look at my circumstances differently. It's crazy the way that happens. So would you commit to do that? There's a place on your Connect card if you need a reminder, check it off. There's, a, there's more prayer that might follow that. You may say, at that moment, you may just burst into praise. Father, you're perfect, holy, powerful. You may, may the world know you and honor you and live for you. And may it start with me. If you don't know what else to say, just give him praise. If you don't know what to ask for, just give him something in praise. Know that he's there. He's your dad. He's going to hear you. You see, the Lord's Prayer is not just an instruction manual for us to pray. It's a picture of your father the great love he has for you, and the provision for your needs. So as we unpack this prayer, you'll feel that, you'll see that, you'll see more of who your father is, and you'll know that he is indeed a good, good father. Would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer? 